saying, I can work with that. You show me what you're about. And God's saying, you know, you just tell me, you just show me what you got and I can work with that. If you ever had, you know, somebody to do your taxes and they're saying, hey, I need your W-2 forms and you hand them your W-2 forms. It's like this is all your income. It's like, yeah. And then they tell you, OK, I can work with that. You ever had to have a lawyer represent you in court or concerning certain issues and you tell them, well, this is my case. This is what I have. These are all my notes, my texts or whatever. And they tell you, all right, I can work with that. And God is simply saying, I can work with that. And I'm getting to I'm going to make sense of this. I'm going to go down a few rabbit trails. Let me tell you that right now. But God is saying, I can work with that. And in the end, when we see God is working with that, we can say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Now, we're celebrating a birthday on today, aren't we, y'all? So, I ain't going to tell them who it is or how old they is. But imagine you're riding in the car with someone, and they pull up in the parking lot of a restaurant. And they see the doors are closed, and this person who has a birthday is in the car with them, okay? And so, they're like, well, they're not open yet. So, they call the number. And they say, hello, yeah, when do you open? And they say, well, where are you at? Well, I'm I'm at your store on Virginia Beach Boulevard. Yeah, when do you open? Uh, February 2022. Really? And they say, okay, I'll wait. How's that sound, birthday girl? She says she can't wait. But God's saying, I can work with that. God's saying, I can work with that. Does that sound foolish to y'all? You in the car with them? Are you going to wait till February 2022? I don't hear no response. Can y'all on live stream, can you wait? Okay, all right, all right. An older woman pulls up to a traffic or pulls up to a uh, stop sign, and she says this thing, the same thing every time. She says, you know, it is so hard to get my car out into this intersection. And there's no room for me to pull out into the middle because there's no turning lane. Every time I have to sit here for five and ten minutes because the traffic is so heavy. You know something? I'm going to sit here in my car until the city puts up a light. My little grandbabies can't even get across the street to get to their school because there is no way for them to cross this intersection. And God says, I can work with that. Does that sound foolish? She's going to run out of gas waiting for the city to come and put up a light. But God says, I can work with that. Now, this may seem extreme in so many senses. But think about what God told Noah in the sixth chapter of Genesis. He says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So from when God told him that, it was 120 years before the rain would begin to fall. 120 years before Noah would begin to build the ark. And it would begin to rain 120 years. Or think about in Luke chapter 2, Anna, the prophetess, whose husband died after seven years of marriage. The Bible tells us that she stayed there in the temple and never left. 
stayed in the temple day and night, worshiping God, fasting and praying. Why? Expectantly waiting for God to rescue Jerusalem. But guess what God says? I can work with that. God's saying, I can work with that. Now, these are mighty, noble people that we look at, Noah and Anna. But who am I? God's given me something. And God, what, what I have to offer you, can you work with that? Can you work with what I have? Well, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm involved in a relationship, and I don't know if you really approved of it. And let me, let me ask you real quick, what do you think of when I say relationship? You think of a man and a woman, right? What if it is, and we know we get in these relationships, you keep going to the same place to get your groceries, and you notice that their prices are constantly going up. And we know COVID, prices are going up. Or you keep going to the same restaurant, and the service is slow. Or you keep going to the same mechanic, and you notice when you get your car back, something wrong. You took it in for one thing, but then they break something else. These are the types of relationships that we don't think about that we get involved in. It's like some relationships you have to break off. I've been taking my car to this guy for 10 years. But guess what? You know why, you, you know why he keeps breaking stuff on your car? Because you keep bringing it back to him. <laughs> he know he got a steady income. He putting food on his table because you keep bringing this car back to him. Eventually, you just got to move on. But as long as you say, you know something, I'm going to keep doing this, God's like, if that's what you want, I can work with that. You start a business, and the day before you open your business, you call your friends over and say, hey, or you call the pastor. And I'm not saying that Pastor Wendy and I are the final authority on what you do in your life. But before you adventure or move out in certain adventures, you should get godly counsel. You should get godly counsel before you do certain things, especially when it involves a relationship between looking at matrimony. You should get godly counsel. But you decide, well, I'm going to open a business. And he's like, well, you know, before I open my business or before I buy my home, I want my pastor to come and pray over my home. It's like, I don't know about your business. <laughs> okay, when is your business going to be open? Well, we're open from Wednesdays through Mondays. So your days off are Tuesdays and that's the only day you're off. So you're working Saturdays and Sundays. So we won't see you then, right? And, and you want God to bless this. And God's like, okay, I'm going to work with that. I'm going somewhere with this. What would you say? <laughs> For now. <laughs> when we start borrowing finances instead of believing God for finances. Borrowing instead of believing. You know, I left my last job in 2019, and I've just, I'm like y'all, I have an unwanted guest in my house, and he will not leave. I've done, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and he will not leave. And he, I've been asking him to come to your house. 
His name is Bill. Bill won't leave. <laughs> Bill shows up the first of every month. <laughs> and sometimes he comes in the middle of the month. But I had left my last job, <coughs> and I've been believing God for increase. <coughs> and I've been asking God, Lord, I believe you for increase, for increase and increase. And I understand, <coughs> excuse me, that what I have is not mine. I'm g- thank you. <coughs> it's just the excitement. Thank you. But I, I understand that my finances aren't mine, and, and where I am in my life is not because of what I've done. It's only by the grace of God. But I've been asking God in this area, I believe you for increase. Not for me. I don't get, I don't ask you to give it to me so I can get it. But I ask, Lord, that you give it so that I, when I get it, I can give it. Because it's not mine. Let me give it, let me get it so I can give it. And I've been praying, I've been praying, Lord, I believe you for increase. I believe you for increase. How about on one day last week, I get a phone call from my supervisor, and it's like, hey, they're going to hire you permanently, because I've been a temp for two years. I get a phone call, it's like, we're going to hire you permanently. And guess what? That blindsided me. But guess what? God gave me something I wasn't even expecting. But guess what? I'm still believing God for this other increase as well. And so, guess what? In the meantime, I'm grateful. And God's saying, I can work with that. We should never believe that the choices we make, expecting God to stamp his approval on it just because I'm a child of God. Just because I'm a child of God that we have a blank check and we can do whatever we want to do, and I'm a child of God. We don't have What's the term? Carte blanche? Carte blanche. Or privilege to say, oh, you know, whatever I want to do, I can do it. Because guess what? Eventually we start talking out of our mouth and we start using four-letter words and thinking that God's approving that. It's not that way. Let's take a, uh, a gentleman out of the Old Testament. And I want to talk about two parts of his life and how he is mentioned. And God's saying, I can work with that. How many of you have ever heard of a man named Jephthah? Raise your hand. The first time I heard about him was in a negative light. Let's talk about the first part of his life. Judges chapter 11, verse 1. Jephthah, uh, excuse me, Judges chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, now Jephthah, the Gideon, where he was from, was a mighty man of valor. But he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead begot Jephthah. Now the thing about it was, he was, his mother was a harlot. Y'all know what a harlot is, right? A prostitute. How many of you are grateful that you are not being judged by who your mother was? You're not being judged by who your daddy was. You're not being judged by where you came from or who you grew up with. It's kind of quiet in here. 
I don't even have to be judged by my past because God has forgiven me. But let's talk about, and, and it's, a, it's so many verses, let me give you the Reader's, Di- Reader's Digest version, verses 1 through 28. Because his mother was a prostitute, and back then, men often had more than one wife. So his brothers, by another mother, say, well, your mother's a prostitute. You got no right to be in this family. So they like, you don't belong here. Get out, get out, get away, get away, get away. So he left, and he joined with a whole bunch of other guys, and they left town. So he went about his merry way. So then they were attacked. The city, uh, Gilead, and by the way, he was in a city called Gilead, and his father's name was Gilead. So when you read the story, you'll see those, and they may be confusing. So then the elders come back to him and said, hey, uh, um, Jephthah, we're under attack and we need your help. And he said, what? (laughs) He said, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You just kicked me out of the city and now you're calling me back to the city. For what? It's like we know that you're the only one who can protect us and save us because we know you are a man led of God. So what are you going to do for me when I get you out of this mess? He said, we'll, we'll make you the ruler over all the people. Is that true? Are you going to stand by that? He said, let God be the witness. All right. So they brought Jephthah in and made him the ruler over all the people. So what does he do? Immediately he goes to business. He goes to work. So he sends a messenger to the king of Ammon. Let's pick it up at verse 21. Same chapter, Judges chapter 11, verse 21. And he sends a messenger to him, and he says, uh, immediately he he tries to explain it to him, like, uh, the king is wondering, um, or Amon, or excuse me, Jephthah is, is saying to him, why are you all of a sudden want to attack us? He's saying, because we want back the land that you took from us. He's like, no, we didn't take any land from you. What we were trying to do was trying to get from point A to point B. And everywhere we tried to go, people said, no, we don't want you children of Israel on our property. And the king of Sion went so far as to say, now you not coming on our property, we're going to attack you. So in verse 21, he says, and the Lord God of Israel delivered Sion and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated him. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited the country. That's verse 21. Verse 23 says, And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you possess it? He took it from you. Now you're trying to take it back. God gave it to me, but you think you're going to take it back. Will you not possess whatever Chemosh, in other words, your God, will you not possess whatever your God gives you? So whatever the Lord, our God, takes possession of before us, we will possess. So basically, he's talking spiritual junk to him. God has given this to me, so we're taking of it. If your God gives you something, you take it. But our God has given us this, 
Therefore, we're going to keep it. And God is saying, what? I can work with that. If you stand for me, I will stand for you. Don't you want to serve a God who's going to stand behind you, stand with you, and be and live within you? So, the king of Sion, he says, he doesn't even respond. He doesn't even send a messenger back to say, all right, we're going to war. He doesn't even respond. But God's saying, I can work with that. The problem is, we should never intentionally make decisions without asking God, what do you want me to do? Never make decisions. To make a decision without asking God first is what? It's a sin. What? Yes. When we make decisions without asking God, it is a sin. Why do you say that? Why is it a sin? Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. Not John, but 1 John. Back, back, back over there near Revelation. It says, if we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then we know this one. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, and God's saying, guess what? I can work with that. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then verse 10 says, but then again, if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word isn't in us. So what decisions are we making? What's the sin in not asking God? And, and I'll tell you, I've, I've gotten so much in a habit uh, I had to work out my honeydew list yesterday, and I, I, I tell you, it was a challenge, but I enjoyed it. I stood up to it. Um, what's the sin? And I had several things to do, and as I began to do them, I was halfway through them, and I was like, oh, no. I didn't ask God. We say this one all the time, Proverbs chapter 3 Verse 5, we say this scripture so many times, but we don't do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In what all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. God, I've been making pies in the pie shop. For 15 years, I know how to make pies. Lord, I've been scrubbing carpets for this company for 20 years. I know how to clean carpets. Lord, I know how to do laundry. My mama taught me how to do laundry when she was still living. I've been doing laundry since I was seven years old. Why do you tell me to trust you in all my ways, to acknowledge you, Lord, I know what I'm doing. Your word, because you told me to put you in remembrance of your word. You said you would bring all things to my, re to my remembrance. So why do I need to acknowledge you? Because why you want to talk junk to me, I will tell you. It's because I want a relationship with you. And if you don't open your mouth and ask me, we can't communicate. 
I know you know how to do laundry. I know you know how to work on a transmission. I know you make the best pies in town. Because guess who taught you? I did. It ain't that you don't know how to do it. But guess what? When you ask me, we get to communicate. I've been talking to you since you were in your mother's womb. But when you say, you know something, Lord? Today is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But today, Lord, I've got to work on this report. And I need you to show me, Lord, all the links that I need to go to on the computer. You know, today, Lord, I've got to do such and such. And I need you to show me uh, the right people to contact in order to do this. Lord, I've been using too much of this uh, um, chemical when I clean the floors. Show me a better way. Maybe somebody else can show me a better way to do this and save more money because over time, that's more money that goes in my pocket, which is more money that goes back into the kingdom. And God is saying, I've been talking to you, but you ain't been talking to me. That's why I want you to acknowledge me. I know you know how to do it. I want you to talk to me. That's all. I want you to talk to me. You make the best sweet potato pies, the best greens. I just want you to talk to me. Just talk to me while you're cooking. Hey, Lord, how you doing? Good. Hey, turn the fire down because you're going to burn your house down. <laughs> you know you still <laughs> God saying, you know your storage gear, you know your sugar, come on, turn them greens off. That's all God is saying. But God's saying, I can work with that. I can work with that. And this is not a promise. This is not a blessing. This is a command. It is a command. So what if I mess up? What if I mess up. And the first time I heard about Jephthah was this part of his life. The part I'm about to tell you is a lot of verses. But this is the part about Jephthah that I heard about first. Judges chapter 11. And then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced towards the people of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, if you indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be whatever comes out of the doors of my house. Now, they lived differently from what we do. I don't know where they kept their cattle and their sheep and their livestock. But he said, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a what? A burnt offering. Y'all see where this is going? So Jephthah advanced towards the people of Ammon to fight against them. Woo. Can you go back, please? And he, no, leave, leave it there. And he defeated them from Arar, as far as Minnith, 20 cities, and to Abel with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Then Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah. There 
was his daughter coming out to meet him. What did he say? The first thing that comes out of his house, he will offer unto the Lord as a burnt offering. And there his daughter comes out with timbrels and dancing. And she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, alas. It jumped. Okay. Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You brought me low? You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said, my father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out from your mouth because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. Then she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. So he said, go. And he sent her away for two months and she went with her friends and bewailed her virginity on the mountains. And it was to the and so it was at the end of two months that she returned to her father and he carried out his vow with her for which she had vowed and she knew no man. Now, it's bad when the first thing you hear about a person is what they did wrong. Now, a little history is. Jephthah knew the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law was it forbid human sacrifice because they used to offer children, and I mean infants, as human sacrifices. They used to have this God that they would put in the fire or this uh, metal object that was their God. And he had hands, and they would heat this, this God up. And it he would be burning red, metal burning red. And they would take an infant, and while they sang songs to their God, Molech, they would take this baby and put it up there as a sacrifice. So imagine how Jephthah feels. So what do we say? What if we mess up? What if we mess up? God's saying, I can work with that. Because again, going back to what David says, a broken and a contrite spirit. I will in no wise despise. He made a vow because that's why the Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make one and to break it. Don't make promises to people. It's like, oh, really? You need a ride? Oh, I can give you a ride. That's no problem. Before you know it, they're saying, oh, can you take me to the store to go here? Oh, can you take me to the store? It's like, be careful before we start making promises to people. And you, you realize, I can't fulfill this. I can't fulfill this. A vow, a promise, your word. 
But Jephthah realized that he did the wrong thing. So point number one. Point number one is this. God sees your faith over your failure. God sees your faith over your failures. How do we know this? How do we know this? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot, remember we talked about Jephthah's mother was a harlot, was a prostitute. Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And then verse 32, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and who? Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets. So God rewarded him. God was pleased. God said, I can work with that. And these are reasons to give thanks. That God didn't look at the fact that he made a vow to sacrifice the first thing that came out of his house. God's like, you don't know what you're saying. But he saw his faith over his failures. Point number two. God always wants to come in. Don't you want to serve a God who always wants to come in when I talked about in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths? God always wants to get involved in our situation. I I so, so, so believe that God's saying you're traveling on a road that has three lanes going in one direction. God say, get in the the other lane because that lane's going to end. Or that traffic's moving too slow. If you if you keep going, there's going to be a bus in that lane, and that lane and that bus is going to stop and start picking up people. I, I just believe God talks to us so much more than what we give Him credit for. Revelations chapter three verse twenty. He says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If somebody's knocking at your door, why? Because they want to talk to you." Why do people knock on your door? You may not want to buy a vacuum cleaner. How many of you, anybody ever had a Kirby before? Sister Thelma, you ever had a Kirby? A vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I bought a Kirby back in the day. But people knock on your door because they want to talk to you. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him or her and dine with him or her and her and him and me. But guess what? You know who he's talking to? He's talking to the church of Laodicea. A few verses before this, he said, you know what? Because you're either because you were neither hot nor cold. He says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. But then he turns around in a loving way. He says, but guess what? I'm going to get you to a point that you're going to have to come to me. And when you get to the point, he says, you're going to have to buy from me. I'm going to even give you salve or whatever to put ointment on your eyes so that you can see. Everything that you're going to need, you're going to need it from me. And then that's when he comes back and says, I'm going to stand at the door and knock. 
I'm going to make it to where you have to come back to me. But he just got finished rebuking them. So God always wants us to come to him. And I'm grateful for that. That the creator of the universe wants to come to be with me. And then my last point. Thank God for the relationship. And and wait before you put that next, that scripture up there. We should be grateful that the true and living God wants to abide in us and with us. That he's always saying stuff. You know, when when you get stuck in traffic, and, and I'm just a driving fanatic. I, I just, that's just my thing. I relate to it so much. When you get stuck in traffic and then you sell somebody later on. Something told me I shouldn't have went that way. That was, that was God. Something got a name. Holy Spirit is telling you, you should have went the other way. You don't always need a GPS. I, and trust me, I use GPS. I need a GPS for my job. But not only that, we should be thankful that we are protected by the Constitution of the United States that guarantees us the freedom of religion. We are free to worship God in this country. No one stood outside that door and said, do not mention the name of Jesus. I'm saying that is to say this. Many people, we have to, let me say this, we have to be careful about repeating things that other people say. Religion is not a bad word. Has anyone heard me talk anything in here about the money market? Have I talked to you about the latest and the greatest uh, medicine and vaccines? We haven't. Have we talked about education? No, we are, we are come together, gather in his name. This is all under the, the uh, umbrella of religion. We are here about, this is about religion. We are practicing our religion. One of my supervisors on my last job said three things we, uh, we don't talk about. We don't talk about money, politics, or religion. Money, politics, or religion, because they're sensitive subjects. We are here because of religion. We're not trading recipes, because my only recipe is you don't have to test ramen. You just boil it. (laughs) Then you strain it, and you put as much. Don't put the whole seasoning pack on there, because it's too salty. Then you you sprinkle some cheese on it. Put a little extra cheese. Put some shredded cheese on it. All right? That's my only recipe. That's the only recipe that I got to give you. But we're here talking about religion. And you hear people say, how many of you have said and repeated, and I've done it myself, God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. We've heard that. Well, we can't have a relationship outside of our religion. Our religion comes, our relationship comes through our religion. But we have made our tradition add. It's our tradition. It's man who has tainted and made it a bad thing. Just like when you hear people say, uh, it's like saying, uh, we don't want government. We just want good. You got to have government. You have to have structure. When we hear 
because and, and preachers and pastors are bad about repeating stuff that others have said. Oh, I feel my help coming on. Well, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me everything you did before now was of yourself? Come on, y'all. <laughs> where was your help five minutes ago? Where, where was y'all get me? So you did everything up to now all by yourself. Your, your help wasn't here when you started. So God wants a relationship with you, but it's through religion. So James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Now, religious, and this is according to Strong's exhaustive concordance, religious means a ceremonious in worship. Ceremonious in worship. And then religion, it just means a ceremonial observance. That's what we're doing, y'all. I mean, we're not shaving our heads and dancing around a fire and stuff like that. We're, we're honoring God. So religion is not a bad word. It is not a bad word. So uh, let's be careful when we repeat things that other people say. T talking about saying God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. You can't really separate the two. We just can't. We just can't go about certain, oh, well, you know, we, we got to, the choir always has to wear blue. Says who? You know, really. And then uh, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion, that is ceremonial observance, before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Isn't this our goal? Isn't this part of what we do when, when we're reaching the community through the food bank? Aren't we taking care of, of those less fortunate? They may not necessarily be orphans and widows, but we're taking care of the people who are less fortunate than ourselves. And to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. These are things that we, I'm thankful for, to be in this position, that, that um, to be thankful for. Everything is not going my way. Everything is not going my way. But I'm thankful that I have a God who loves me even though I've messed up. I have a God who wants to be in my presence in my presence, who wants to dwell in me because I'm realizing that this isn't my body. One thing I'm guilty of, I just had my annual checkup and my doctor's telling me I need to take better care of my body. I need to get back out there and start walking. I need to drink more water and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm in good health, but it's like you need to look past today. I need to look past today. But thank, thankful more than anything that I don't serve a God who can't be reached, but I serve a God who, like I said, in all my ways, he's saying, I want to talk to you today, not just on Sunday. I want to talk to you today. So we thank you for joining with us on today at Open Altar Worship Center. We thank you 
for being a part of this service. And if you have been in church, maybe since your parents have been bringing you, um, and you know about church and you know about God, but you don't have that relationship with God. And, and, and even while I'm saying that, you know, there are people who say there is no God. And that within itself, you can't, no one can say there is no God. We can say we don't believe in God, but you can't say there is no God. Because to say there is no God would mean you would have to know everything about everything. But we can say there is a God. And if you want to know this God and have a relationship with him, someone who wants to talk with you, someone who sees your future and sees the potential in you to be the very best that you can be. Not just to say, oh, when I die, I'm going to heaven. But no, to walk and be prosperous here on earth. If you want that kind of life, if you want to see things turn around in your life, and I'm, and I'm going to forewarn you right now, does that mean you'll never get sick? Does that mean that you won't bounce a check if you still write checks or, or your car won't break down? No, no. But it means that when things happen, it means you have a father you go to. It means you have a family that's international who can stop and pray with you. You're connected to a family with a bond of blood that can never be broken. And an eternal father who the word says, he that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. If you want to be a part of that family on today, I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you right now. And if you have strayed from that family, we want to pray with you as well. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Praying for those, lifting them up to you and just pray this prayer. It doesn't matter where you are, in your car, at work, uh, in your home. Say, dear Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I have not done all that I could, even though I've heard your word. I'm asking you now, on this day, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be your child, to know you in a deep and intimate way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've enjoyed this, we just ask that you like and share our video. Uh, if the Lord leads you, we're not begging you. We're not promising you, you know, if you give, you know, in 10 days, you're going to see an increase in your finances. No, no hocus pocus. There's no lottery involved that there's going to be a drawing in 10 days. No, but we do say this. Give and it shall be given unto you. God is faithful. If God leads you, we're going to we're going to we're letting you know right now there is a, a text to give. Uh, text OAWC to 833-373-6278 um, as God leads you. And God says, for those that sow, he will restore it back to you. 
and he will rebuke the devourer, which is Satan, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He'll get him out your way, and he will, he will take his hands off of you. So we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and thank you again for on behalf of my beautiful bride, who I failed, but God sees my faith over my failures. I love scriptures. <laughs> Who I failed to acknowledge my beautiful bride, Pastor Wendy. On behalf of Pastor Wendy and all of us here at Open Altar Worship Center, we thank you, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, shout out again to Sister. Um, Holly for her birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Sister Holly. We love you. We'll see you again. And in Jesus' name, be blessed. Thank you. Stephen. Yeah, that's the name. Stephen. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. Pastor Wendy, do you have anything?